Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Unfortunately, Ben is not able to be with us today, so I'll be flying solo. And out of all the episodes that we've done, I think this is episode number 20. This will be the first time that I've flown solo. So we'll just have to take it as it comes. So what's new in my nations this week is that I'm getting ready to adjust to a new schedule here in the next couple of weeks. So the schedule that I've been operating under is about ready to be different in about two weeks. And so I'm just kind of trying to mentally prepare and to take stock of my personal scheduling, my time allotment, and things like that, so that as I come into this new season, I'm not caught off guard, that I'm prepared, I'm planned out, and that this schedule change will have the most minimal impact on me and on my family and on all of the activities that we engage in. So I'm just trying to plan ahead a little bit because as I've heard, and I really believe that failing to plan is planning to fail. So that's what's new in my nations this week is just planning ahead for this schedule change that is upcoming so that I can negotiate it better for me and my family. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into the verse of the week or the passage of the week this week. And we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about spiritual warfare and he talks about the armor of God. And I've been in this passage this week about the armor of God. And I really want to talk today about the shield of faith. So this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. And this passage says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I'm going to read that one more time. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So I don't want to dive super, super deeply into this, but I don't feel like I can address this passage well without diving somewhat deeply into it. So when I look back in the Garden of Eden, if you look in Genesis chapter 3, Satan tempts Eve, and it's really to me a question of faith, of in whom do you place your trust? So Satan asks Eve, did God really say this, that you can't eat the fruit? And she's like, yes, he did. So then Satan says, well, you know, the reason God is telling you that is because he knows if you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll become like him, knowing good and evil. So in that moment, Eve has an opportunity to either place her faith in God and in his words and in what he is saying and trusting that what he is saying is true. Or she can place her faith in Satan and what he's saying. And ultimately, if she believes what Satan is saying, she's saying that what God is saying or has said is not true. So when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, about the shield of faith, Satan throws flaming darts at us, right? He throws temptations or thoughts into our minds, or he'll bring to mind thoughts, or he'll cause us to question, is what God said really true? So these flaming darts are coming at us, And the shield of faith, or trust in God, 
protects us from those flaming darts. So ultimately, this is something I've been thinking of more recently, and I could be wrong on this, but this, I think, is an accurate way to look at it, that if our faith is solidly placed in God, we have that shield of faith in place in God, and we trust that he is who he says he is and that his words are true, when we are tempted to doubt God, we're tempted to doubt that God is good, we're tempted to doubt that God loves us, and we're tempted to doubt that God's way is the best way, that shield of faith is what protects us, that we can say, I know who God is, I know what he's done for me already, I know his word is true, so why would I believe the lies of Satan? So, I'd like you to kind of ruminate on that this week and think about the role of the shield of faith, because I, do, I think it's more than just an illustration. It's a really great illustration, but I think that illustration bears out the importance of solidly holding up our faith in place as a shield to block those things that Satan sends our way that tempt us to distrust God, because ultimately I think that's where most sin comes from is a lack of faith in God. So why don't we move on now to our next segment, which is the main segment for today. And I've titled our podcast for the week, our topic for the week, Hitting the Wrong Target. And I want to tell you a story. So back in the day, I used to be very much into traditional archery. So I would do archery with a recurve bow. And if you've never seen a recurve bow, it's generally a wooden bow that you have wooden limbs that a string is attached to. It's kind of like the bow that you see if you've seen the Robin Hood cartoon with the fox Robin Hood and he has that bow. That's a long bow. It's a little taller than a recurve. A recurve is basically very similar with a couple of modifications, which is that the limbs curve back outward. But it's a wooden bow with no sights. Modern bows today, like a compound bow, they actually have sights, like a rifle would have, where you can line up, there's a peephole and a pin sight, and you can line that up and you can adjust that for any yardage you're at. And as long as you hold the bow steady and your sights are lined up, you're going to hit your target, even if you're 60, 70, 80, 100 yards out. Well, a recurve bow uses what's called instinctual or instinctive shooting and so with that recurve bow it's very difficult to know whether or not you're going to hit your target you just have to kind of feel it you kind of sense if you're on target or not and so your accuracy at 20 yards might be with a compound bow with sights might be the size of like a silver dollar your accuracy or your pattern with a recurve bow at 20 yards might be the size of like a little dish, like five inches. And that's not bad. So I have this bow. I bought this recurve bow, all right? And I took it to a bow shop. And I had this guy make a string for me because the bow's string was old. And the person that I bought the bow off of said, listen, you're going to need to take it. You're going to need to get arrows and you're going to need to get a string. And so this guy measured me out. He's like, this is the length of the draw on the bow. He did all the work. He cut me some arrows to perfectly fit my bow. And he made me a new bow string. And then he's like, all right, let's go test it out. So this was one of those old shops where guys would go and stand around. And so there was always someone else in the shop. So the other person that was in the shop was like, well, sure, I'll come out too. So here I am. I'm this teenage kid. And these two guys that clearly know what they're doing, they're archers, they're hunters, they shoot, 
they take me out, they walk me like 15, 20 yards away from this target. And this target has five circles in it, right? So imagine almost like the five side of a die. Like if you have dice and you see the number five with that X pattern, it was like that. So they walk me out there and they're like, let her rip. And I'm thinking, I'm new at this. I have not shot this bow like at all, zero times. And I had shot a compound bow pretty frequently. And I had shot kind of like a long bow when I was a kid, but it had been a while. So it wasn't very great at archery. And so I was super concerned that at 20 yards, I wasn't even going to hit the target. So I draw back and I aim for one of the circles and I'm holding my bow and I'm like, man, in my head, I'm thinking, please don't miss the target. Please don't miss the target. Please don't miss the target. And I let it go and you hear the arrow impact the target. The arrow hits the target and it's in one of the circles. And I was like, okay, at least I hit the target. But the problem is I was aiming for the center circle and I hit the top left circle and both the guys look at each other and then they look at me and they're like, that was pretty good. And I was like, oh yeah, thank you, right? And then the one guy that was standing there talking that didn't own the shop, he was like, as long as that was the circle you were aiming for. And now I didn't say anything. I probably should have just owned up to the fact that I had aimed for the middle circle, but I was like, oh, okay, well, thank you. And we went back inside and I packed up, put my bow away. But really, I knew that I had hit the wrong target because I was aiming for the center one. And what I would have loved to have been able to do when that guy said, assuming that was the one you were aiming at, would have been to pull back another arrow, let go, and hit the exact same circle. But I knew I couldn't do it because I didn't have the competence yet to hit my target repeatedly. In fact, I didn't have the competence to hit the target at all. I hit the wrong target. Now, I hit a target, and it was a good hit. It was a beautiful hit. It was in like a two-inch circle, which if you're shooting instinctually at 20 yards, being able to hit a two-inch circle is pretty good, right? So it was a beautiful hit, but it was for a target I wasn't aiming at. And so that always galled me a little bit about hitting the wrong target. I mean, I still think about it every once in a while today. I'm like, I remember when I hit that wrong target. If I ever get into archery again super seriously, then I want to make sure I am able to hit the right target every time. So one of the dangers that we have in life is hitting the wrong target. So our society is a pleasure-based society. We are told, if you look at any commercial, the commercial is about seeking pleasure. You look at any product, they'll tell you this product will be pleasurable to you. And if we have any pain, any suffering, like if you think of ibuprofen commercials or acetaminophen commercials, I don't even know if they're aspirin commercials anymore, but commercials for pain relief products. It's about taking away the pain so you can feel pleasure again. Well, what we look at in scripture is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, Paul talks about those people that are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So there's this temptation that we have to hit the target of pleasure seeking. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with having enjoyment, with having pleasure and enjoying the things that God has given us. In fact, Ecclesiastes multiple times 
it, you can see that in chapter 5. Don't quote me. I think it's 514, but don't quote me on that, uh, where we are told to enjoy the things that God has given us. And if God has given us riches, that it is good for us to enjoy our riches and our family and our food together as a family unit, that that is good. So we're not to avoid pleasure, but that's not the problem here. The problem here that we see in Timothy is that the temptation is to be a lover of pleasure rather than loving God. And it seems to me that it's not enjoying pleasure, but it's that loving pleasure. Similarly, we see that we're told not to love money. And in the passage where we're told not to love money, something has always stuck out to me where Jesus says, a man cannot serve two masters. He will either love the one or hate the other. Right. So in this situation here, with being a lover of pleasure, if in our lives we should aim to love God, to live a life in obedience to God, and to live a life that will bring glory to him. But we can't chase constantly after pleasure and live a life in which we are loving to God and obedient to God. Because if you look at society today, what are the things that society throws out as pleasure? Well, partying, chasing after status, chasing after riches, chasing after women, if you're a man, right? Those are things that society throws out as pleasurable. If you look at any ad for alcohol, it's typically a party setting where the dudes are just killing it with the ladies, they're surrounded by girls, right? It's for the girls, they're surrounded by guys, they're living life, they're partying, they're not being productive, they are not using their time wisely, and they're not really, they don't seem to be thinking about anything but themselves. So there's this selfish mindset here. Well, what are we to be doing if we're lovers of God? We're to be serving others, we're to be uplifting others, we're to be speaking the truth in love, if we're men and we're married, we're to be loving our wives. We're to be being gentle with our children and raising them in the admonition, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So there's this clear, stark difference just on a fundamental level. But also, if you look at what is pleasurable to us today, I mean, if you think about it, we talked about a few episodes ago, loneliness versus being alone. And we want to be included in a group. And it's very pleasurable to be included in a group. And quite frankly, there's something that seems to be pleasurable about being included in the in-group. But if you look at society's in-group today, generally they're the people that don't speak the truth because the truth is uncomfortable. If you speak the truth today, you get canceled. If you get canceled, you're not in the in-group. If you're not in the in-group, you're probably not a lover of pleasure. You're not going to all the great parties. You're not running in the great social circles, right? You're not being invited to all the things that everyone's going to envy you for. So when I see this, I think about the fact that if we're loving pleasure, not enjoying the things that God has given us, not having a proper mindset, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about looking at things that we own as things that are temporarily ours that have been placed into our stewardship by God, I'm not talking about looking at them as gifts to be enjoyed, but I'm talking about chasing pleasure. If we're chasing pleasure, several things happen. First of all, have you ever tried to get something you thought would bring you pleasure? I don't remember what the product was, but this is something I thought of while I was prepping for this episode. 
it was a few years ago, I really, really wanted something. And it may have been one of my radios. I'm an amateur radio operator. I don't do it very much, but I do amateur radio more from a preparedness standpoint. And I, I think it was one of the radios that I got. I was like, yeah, this could be great. And I got it. I got it set up and I have it and I use it sometimes, but it just didn't really bring the level of pleasure that I was expecting it to. And it made me think back to when I was a teenager. I listened to, there was some summer sermon. It was an outdoor sermon. It was a revival service for teenagers. And the evangelist spoke about his whole life, he wanted a Harley. And he had never gotten a Harley. Well, he saved up. And when he was in his 50s, he bought a Harley. And he rode that thing around and he liked it. But he wasn't used to the tiny gas tank that you have on a motorcycle or on a quad. So he was riding it around and it ran out of gas. And suddenly his enjoyment for his Harley dropped precipitously. And he didn't have the same amount of pleasure in his Harley that he thought he would. He had spent all this money. He'd spent a ton of his life fantasizing about this Harley. He'd spent a bunch of money on it. And then one ride was really all it took for him to realize that the juice might not be worth the squeeze. That the amount of pleasure he expected out of the Harley was not commensurate with the level of pleasure that he got. So, Jesus kind of talks about this with our lives, that he who wants to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for Christ's sake will keep it. So a lot of times, life is counterintuitive, where if you really, 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 really want something and you pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, even if you get it, it's not worth it, right? But if you have the proper perspective on things, then a lot of times you will end up fulfilled. So if we're chasing pleasure, like look at the people that chase pleasure. If you look at the A-list celebrities that are chasing pleasure today, their marriages typically fail, right? A lot of them end up having to go to rehab because of drug abuse issues or drug addiction issues. A lot of times when they fall out of the limelight, they can't handle it and it ends up causing them distress. Like if you look at Elvis, very sad case, Elvis slowly started falling out of the limelight. And if you really look at the amount of barbiturates that were in his system, it doesn't appear to be an accidental overdose. If you look at Michael Jackson, very similar, where he had to be drug-induced into sleep because he was so bothered by the fact, seemingly, that he was no longer at the top of the status game. So chasing pleasure, chasing pleasure, chasing pleasure, and loving pleasure actually led to distress. Whereas if we seek to be loving God, we'll have enjoyment in our lives. We'll have a sense of joy. Even if all of our life isn't enjoyable, even if we suffer, we'll find purpose in the suffering. And that purpose that we find will lead ultimately to joy because we'll find our fulfillment in Christ rather than in ourselves. So let's make sure that we're not hitting the wrong target when we pull that bow back, because we only get one shot in life. We don't get multiple shots at life. When we live our lives, we get one crack at it. And when we come to the end of our lives and we look back at our lives and we look at how we lived, if we live as lovers of pleasure and seek fulfillment in that only to find that there is none, that the fulfillment is temporary, the pleasure is temporary, but at the end of our lives, we regret the fact that we spent our lives chasing pleasure only to not have it. Or we can shoot our shot, hit the right target, love God, 
serve him, obey him, and invest our lives in others. When we look at our lives, look back at that life lived, I am utterly convinced that we'll have much more of a sense of joy and much more of a sense of fulfillment than if we just chase after the pleasures of this world because they don't fulfill. So that's what I've got for you today. I know it's a bit shorter, but that banter that I get back and forth with Ben really kind of helps us to process a little bit better. And I I really feel like had we had Ben today, then we would have had maybe twice as long of an episode because he oftentimes has some great thoughts to bounce off too. So really appreciate you guys listening today. And as always, I want to say a few things, which is if you like the show, feel free to subscribe, feel free to share it with others. And if you could leave a written review, that would really be great. If you would like to support the show, you can visit our website at info or at headofnations.com, headofnations.com. If you want to comment to us, send us a question, info at headofnations.com. If you want to support, click that support tab on our website. And I'd just like to thank those that have supported us so far. I really appreciate your donations and they're really helping us as we continue this ministry. And as always, remember that we are the head of our nations. So let's go live like it. Until next time.